welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. You are listening to a weekly publication, produced every Friday morning. The Kinky Cast is heard in over 150 countries. This week's episode is number 229. In our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships, views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present, recorded at Frolicon, Inclusivity, Where Are All the Black People? Don't forget to stop by our webpage for loads of information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com you have just been invited to a kinky or polyamorous non-monogamous event. What is your very first thought? If you have not contributed your very first thought, <laughs> then come grab a, sle- a piece of paper and use my pretty shiny unicorn pen and let me know what your first thought is. And after you've given me your first thought or concurrently, in this box we're taking discussion questions, statements, topics, all that. First thoughts here, discussion questions here. I know the room is filling up, but at this point, you should be making every effort to sit near or introduce yourself to someone in this room that you do not know. It doesn't have to be in the form of a question. If you have a discussion statement, a phrase, whatever it is, draw a picture. The questions are about polyamory. Um, they're about polyamory or the kinky community or how those t- and race and how race plays into our communities. Okay. All right, it's 11.35. People can trickle in as they see fit. I'm going to start by introducing myself. Um, My name is Shanae. I am, um, I'll just throw out some stuff about me. I am polyamorous. Um, I have been some form of non-monogamous since 2009. I am bisexual. I live in a poly family. I have probably been kinky my whole life. I have no idea at what point I realized it. But here we are. First thought. There we go. Let's see. Oh, I am an active member of a um, black polyamorous group here in Atlanta. What else? What else have I not told you about myself? I'm a mom. I have the absolute most adorable three-year-old, almost three-year-old in the entire world. Um, There's only two other people in this room who can claim that, and there's other parents. I'm also a really cute unicorn today. (laughs) If you fail to realize that. So what I'm going to do, what we're going to do to start the discussion off, y'all all know the question I asked, right? What's your first thought? So let's go through these first thoughts, right? If you have something you want to say or interject while we're talking, just like let me know so I'll shut up. And I very much want this to be an interactive kind of thing. So if you have something to say, just speak up, okay? All right. Who are all these people and why do they want me here? <laughs> what sort of an event and which groups will be there? So this is the basic, this is like, who are going to be there? <laughs> With that face. Um, am I a whore? I don't know who wrote this, but the answer is probably yes, and I absolutely support you in that endeavor. I have it on good authority that you're in good company. Where is it located? Look at somebody being all practical. <laughs> oh, somebody didn't have anything to say. Um, yay, what's the music going to be like? Okay, that's important too. But I'm going to put this to the side, right, because we're going to talk about this and how this can be a part of our conversation. Who else will be there? Again, y'all are recognizing the theme. Who are going to be there? With the face. The face is very important. Where are the snacks? Listen, we are, we are, this is all the key components of a good party, right? 
Oh, that's a discussion question. I hope it's not a meat market. Okay, listen. Yeah. I, I just gotta like just say yes to that. But then also sometimes it's the other way around, and that's not good either. Um, am I being fetishized, or is, it, is there an actual place for me in this group? Bam! Boom! Thank you. Hello. Hello. Will there be any other black people there? Raise your hand if this was one of your first questions. If this came to you first, will there be other black people there? There we go. Okay. Uh, as we're going through these first thoughts, right, what I want from you guys when we're done, I want feedback. Tell me the one thing that surprised you the most. The question, the first question that surprised you the most. Some of you got in the wrong box. <laughs> Do I know anyone there? Very important part of community. Who is coming and will I be able to find a group I can be comfortable with? Can I bring my partner? That's my husband's handwriting. Okay, sorry. I, I just, uh, I, game on. Yeah! <laughs> Yay! This yay is like really excited, so I don't know if I need to adjust this. Hold on. Yay! There we go. I like that. Woof, woof, woof. Wags. Oh, it's a puppy. Oh. Right, that was really cute. Does fetishize. Oh, that is a question. We'll get to those. Who is going to be there? Are there going to be people who look like me? Have y'all, were, y'all noticing a theme here? Are there going to be people who look like me? How crowded is it going to be? And how many people I know who are going? So, like, the half the room is like, who else going to be there? <laughs> I wonder who all is going. <laughs> so, right, so the makeup of the event is a very important question for everybody, right? So for those of you who are just joining us, um, as people were entering the room, I had everybody, I told everybody that you've just been invited to a kinky or polyamorous event. And I had them right here. What's your very first thought? Half of the room, their very first thought was, who's going to be there? Are there going to be people who look like me? Will I feel comfortable? And the most hard-hitting, am I being fetishized? Right? So these are those, that is what the people in this room, right? So can somebody tell me what, did anything surprise you? Did any of are those questions surprising to you? Okay. Snacks at a fetish party. That, that was a little surprising. Was it? There are snacks at a fetish party. That's true. Snacks at a fetish party. 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 Do you feel comfortable in your environment where you live? No. Yes. 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 Okay. No. Let's talk about it. Tell me where. You, tell me the city you live in. I live in Jacksonville. You live in Jacksonville. Okay. Why? <laughs> okay. You live in Jacksonville and you don't feel comfortable in your community. Tell me why. Um, I just moved there um, about a couple years ago after trying to make effort here to get to know kinky slash poly people here and just decided to pick up and move my life to a city I know nothing about. And so um, I've been having difficulty either A, finding a good community and or B, finding a community that's willing to take things off of Facebook. 
I met people on Facebook and they will Facebook all day, but I am not a Facebook person. I'll talk to you, but eventually I'm trying to see your face right. because I'm not trying to sit here and get to know you and get it all involved and all this stuff. I don't even know what you look so like. So you're struggling to find in-person community yeah. as opposed to just online community. Right. Anybody else have that problem? Is that a problem anywhere else? Well, yeah. Okay, because you live in Jacksonville. <laughs> Same problem. Okay, who else, is, who else lives somewhere where they don't feel comfortable with their community? Um, for me, I'm, well, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, mine is kind of like the, the opposite. It's like the community that I'm a part of, it, it's good um, in regards to being able to build that community, to relate to people. There's just no one that looks like me. So mm-hmm. that part of the community is like suffering. <laughs> well, I've been thinking about that. So, thinking, so but I, think, I think for me, that's where my, my struggle is. is because I don't see anybody, I don't see a lot of people who look like me or a lot of people who are into the things that I'm into. So it's, it's a struggle for me right. to connect. Especially with that combination, yeah, right? Yeah, because exactly. in the Venn diagram of finding people whose kinks are your kinks or who probably like you, Polly, and then finding people who look like you, you have like a little midsection that's like this big. Yeah, this section is non-existent. <laughs> okay, so we're like right here. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's <laughs> Has anybody had that problem and overcome it? Has anybody felt... At first, they didn't feel comfortable in their community, and they've overcome it, or they had they came up with a solution. There you go. Yes. I created my own. You created your own. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, um, that is Tank, that he and his wife, Pink. So my very close friends are the creators of Poly Black and Dating, um, which is the Atlanta community that I'm a part of as well. Um, so create your own. That's, that's kind of... That's kind of how our community works in general, right? If you see a need or if you don't fit in, you, you make a place for yourself, right? Make a place for yourself and people who look like you. Go ahead. I'm traveling from uh, South Carolina, okay. Greenville. Um, it's, but I'm not originally from there. I'm okay. from Miami, Florida. Okay. I've been transported, you know, transplanted. <laughs> <laughs> um, South Carolina, been there for 10 years, been in the um, lifestyle community for about, I don't know, on and off for about six six years, seven years now, it's hard because it's hard trying to start a group mm-hmm. when the majority don't look like you. I hate, okay. This is a, no, wait, let me make a disclaimer. This is not a politically correct conversation. No, okay. We're not going to halt conversation because we don't find the right words. Say how you feel. It. Okay, that um, with black people, okay. and the majority are white, which is cool. I have nothing against that. But sometimes when you say, hey, it, you have you you have that double commonality with each other. Mm-hmm. Now, when you do find people uh, where where I am in the community uh, that do or say that that's what they do, and you're like, well, come on out, we're having something, you know, we're having something together, mm-hmm. and then you say, oh yeah, and then they don't come out. Mm-hmm. It's been several groups where it is um, like dedicated to people of color and stuff like that, and no one comes out. Okay, no one comes out, so it's like, okay, so. What to do now? So in Greenville, there's a lack of participation lack in the education. Yeah. Okay. And, and so basically, we come to Atlanta and we enjoy, and because it's it's the population of people in of black people in the community is bigger mm-hmm. than where it is in Greenville. Um, also, too, um, when you do go, it's not very pleasant. Okay. What's unpleasant about it? Let's talk about it. It's um, just. Now, you know, like going through the vending area, it's like, 
it's basically how it is on the outside world. They ignore you. They don't acknowledge that you're there. Um, and even with somebody that looks like me, they don't acknowledge that you're there. Not saying that they're supposed right. to. So maybe, so maybe there's a racial aspect right going on, mm-hmm. and then maybe there's also an aspect of a community that is when when you get a group of people together who know each other, mm-hmm. and it being difficult to penetrate that. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I know. Oh, I've been accused of being cliquish all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> but what happens is community gets built, right? Those people have been kind of in the trenches together. They've been, they've known each other for a very long time. And I, so I met the people in my community about two years ago. And my very first event, I didn't know anybody. And it really just took one person being nice to me. It really took one person, that one person being nice to me made me come back. Right. right, and so sometimes it's hard to find that one person. Yeah, and that's what it is—that one person where you'd be like, "Are you gonna be here next time?" And then, and then it's like, "I need a friend," right? Yeah. <laughs> and then once that happens, that's fine. But like I said, I've been on and off. You know, that's one of the reasons why I've stepped back, come back, stepped back, come back. Just for one of the reasons, and um, I wish you'd quit. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Miss Coco. Um, been here for a long time. When I first moved to Atlanta in 87, it was kind of hard to find a community. And of course, 87, it was kind of hard to really, it was it was all about the boards, Yahoo and everything, and finding people. And once I found my spot, it was, oh God, back in sanctuary pep days and all of that. And there was a few people said, oh, maybe you want to hook up with Lady D, do pep for Pac, you know, for black people. I said, no. I just threw myself out there. I showed up every time. I got to know people and still lifelong friends. And this is pretty much, and this was like before it was called 1763 and stuff. I just had to go. I kept going. I kept going. I kept getting to know people. I was one of the rare one or two black people there, and I didn't give a damn. I was there to get my kick on. (laughs) And I got to know people. And, you know, it seems scary, but when you start talking to folks and just, you know, I... I know no strangers. Right. It's so like you're I will walk up to you and I will start a conversation. You got a choice you can walk away from me or join and most of the time people join. And, and you know, it's like I have been in your community and I'm like, Hey, I'm up in this piece. What y'all do and who do I need to talk to? Can I get a tour? All that stuff. I just I just embrace it, you know, and, and I have just gotten that back a lot. It's like it was not easy at first, but I'm like, man, fuck this right here. <laughs> 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 and that's, just, that's literally. Sometimes you just have to resolve. At some point, you're gonna non-mainstream. Um, we've made non-mainstream choices, right? You're polyamorous. You're not. You're non-monogamous. You're kinky. So. One of the things that I say this all the time, and everybody who knows me gets so sick of hearing me say it, but you have to learn to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right, so that that's for everybody, right? All kinky, polyamory, comfort and discomfort. So for 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 black people who are being invited into white spaces, we have to become comfortable with actually putting ourselves there, right? But what's the other side of that coin? The other side of that coin is how can white communities or mostly white communities build a place and build spaces where black people feel not just desired but also welcomed. When when we do intermix our communities, mm-hmm. uh, Inquisitor Joy, here. I live here in Atlanta. Okay. And the community that I have gotten to know, the people I have gotten to know, mm-hmm. it hasn't really been a problem there. Mm-hmm. I am probably one of the few black people that go to some of these events, and they have the you know black and Atlanta lunch and 
It just so happens I don't live on that part of town and I was new here, so right. I went to the one that was closest to me. But they never made me feel like I was not welcome. And right. that was good. And I will, I will say this. Here in Atlanta, we are in the minority in, with this conversation, right? Because Atlanta is such a diverse city. Atlanta is a, is a city where you have more black people. Like, we, we are, you don't realize. Here, I grew up in Atlanta. I've lived here my entire life, right? So my, even my worldview is like, what do you mean? There, there aren't chocolate people where you live? So we, we have, and we have a choice. See, I have a choice. I can decide to go, if I want to um, get my kink on with a mixed group, I can do that. But I also have a community of black people that I can do that with, right? Here in Atlanta, I have a choice. Like Tank said, he built his own. We have that choice, but the population everywhere doesn't allow for that, right? So so that is, like, literally, you could have read that question off the piece of paper I didn't get to put in your... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because we... We're from Birmingham, Atlanta, the Red Chair, um, and we have a few people of color in our group that we love. I want to make it a space that is comfortable and welcoming and everything it needs to be to, for people of color. And like it is, it is a thing that I, I am willing to be. I am willing to be uncomfortable. Okay. I don't. I don't want you guys to be uncomfortable. I want to be uncomfortable. Okay. And you know. Well, thank you for coming. That's the first step, right? Tell us about the red chair. I know what it is, but I'm not sure everybody else does. The red chair, um, and this is part of the thing, because we don't, there's not a lot of choice in Birmingham. We're kind of the only game in town. Um, and uh, I should probably let you do this. No, you're good. <laughs> 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 My partner is sitting next to me as the president of the red chair. That's why I, okay. um, I said I should let him do this. But um, we are, we've been around for 20 years, and we have a enormous, we have equal social space to dungeon space. Um, we have interest groups for um, dominance and submissives and switches and rogue folks and um, leather groups. It's a field trip. That's what it sounds like. Okay. <laughs> it's a field trip. <laughs> yes, and that, that's really one of the things that, you know, that I feel like the Birmingham community is lacking, especially given the history of Birmingham. Right. Um, there, you, there's no dearth of black people in Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> that we know. They're there. They're just not coming. And we, yeah, I, I, I want to be friends, and I, don't, and I don't know how to do it without feeling like I'm being overbearing or right. you know, just making it weird, because I'm real good at making it weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so this, this is a discussion group, right? So we have... Someone who runs a dungeon in Birmingham, right? She says she wants to make an inclusive space. Let's talk about it. How do we do that? Tink? Um, at times, you're going to have to make it weird. Because <laughs> in my experience, in just everyday life, there's a lot of things that different groups may not necessarily understand about each other in general. But I know like there are, there are situations that I've experienced. From <laughs> <laughs> I know that there are things that I have experienced. Have experienced from white people specifically that have put me at on edge with even wanting to interact with the folks in Jacksonville. So you have to be you have to be get to a space where you are aware of when somebody is being inappropriate or when there's a microaggression or when somebody is being fetishized or things of that nature. And I don't know how you build that awareness because I I, I was born with it. But you it has to become a space of okay, so you have to be able to be an ally before you can get yourself into the space of, okay, well, I want to make this place comfortable for everyone. And that might mean having input from some of your black members to see, like, talking to them and saying, okay, 
what are things that you have experienced in this space that have been at odds with you trying to feel comfortable in expressing your kink poly or whatever in a way that is healthy and safe? Okay, so this is also, this is moving the discussion exactly where I wanted to move it to. Let's talk about some barriers to entry, right? Let's talk about how, so one of the things that I say in the description for the class, right? Polyamory and kink in general are every media depiction, right? Every, it's so hard to find people who look like me in all these media depictions. I, for one, never ever want to see those white feet. You know those white feet peeking up out of the blanket that always depicts polyamory? I'm so sick of that shit, first of all. I'm so sick of that shit. Um, first of all, people snore and are hot and we don't all sleep together. The first of all. Second of all, find you a house with two master bedrooms to change our life. Second, second of all, why are there no black feet? Why do why does why does polyamory looks like right? The media depiction of polyamory is a white couple with a heterosexual white male, a and two bisexual white women. They are all college educated. Young. They what do you say? Young. They are young. They are young. They are college educated. They they're thin. They are they have no disabilities. Right. So they're. And they all have this. They have excellent jobs where they don't have to be concerned. And no kids. Or if they, they make enough money so that it doesn't matter that being out is not a problem. That's that's something we really have to talk about, right? We have to talk about the way that our communities do things, right? Because in getting into the way our communities do things, that's how we can change it. Um, so when somebody put wealth and money here as a barrier to entry. Um, I realized today, so I was writing here today, and I realized that everyone sitting in this room needs to realize their privilege. What privilege are we, what privilege do we have because we're in this room? I could pay to come. You can pay to take off work. You feel comfortable enough to come and be in a place with people like you, right? There's so many you're able enough to be able to attend a convention, right? So checking our privilege, it's not something, now you'll, you'll hear people say that a lot, but checking your privilege is not just about, oh, you're white and you have to check your white privilege. There's all kinds of privilege that we all have to realize. Also, uh, dungeon and ain't cheap. That shit costs money. You gotta have a membership, you gotta have your entry, you gotta have your toys. You gotta have um, uh, your fetish wear. You gotta have a ride. Right. You have to be. A, you have to have a certain level of. You don't like. I've been to a dungeon, and I haven't seen a lot of dungeon spaces that are made for people who might be disabled. Right. And disabled people are can be kinky too. Right. So. They are. What? Wildly so, kinky. You know. So, <laughs> so that finances and socioeconomic status is an important thing to consider. Like you can't you can't take that out of the conversation about race and poly and kink, um, especially like for me, I've realized that. So I am a business owner and a stay at home mom, right? I don't give a shit if somebody knows I'm poly. Um, I don't care if somebody knows I'm kinky. That there is nobody who wields any particular authority over me, such that that would be a problem in my life. That's a very unique experience, right? Most of us have some form need some level of discretion in order to be able to go about our daily life without interruption or fear of interruption. And what I find, what I found, is that in white communities, that is largely overlooked. 
that need is largely overlooked. While, for instance, in our um, Tank and Pink's Facebook group, right, I would say about half and half. Some people are aliases. Some people are like, you know, I just I can't with two Facebooks. I don't care. Um, my mama knows, so whatever. Um, but you know, like it requires some discretion, right? And so, if you want to have an inclusive community, you have to ask yourself: To what extent am I allowing for that? Do I require people to use their real names? Do I require, you know, like what what kind of requirements are you building that finances and socioeconomic status might play into that? Does anybody have any suggestions for how that particular barrier can be overcome? So, um, I was a board member for Atlanta Poly Inc. and right now I'm treasurer for them. And some of our events, we go ahead and we have our banner out and it's really loud and it's like, Atlanta Polyamory in the park! <laughs> All the colors! But we recently, um, we recently just because we're a legit organization, we're a 501c3. When you support us and when you're with us, you are doing respectable things that are not respectable stuff. Right. But we also recently did like uh, we've been doing some more stealth events. And back in the day before my time, we did some more of that. But recently, when we got the respectability of the 501c3, we started just being more out because. Why not? Right. But we also are trying to make sure that we still have stealth events for folks who like just just can't be out there with us. Right. And I think there's a middle ground between the banner flying and between hey, I have one in my partner. Right? Here's the balloon out here right quick. Right. So I think that it's an important conversation, right? Because there is a need. We we we're we're on a normalized admission, right? So there's that, there's that activism that's really a part of the conversation. But also, when you put your face out there, you want your face to, to really look like what polyamory looks like. What's the makeup of your organization? Like, talk to me about that. We have two, obviously, of color um, board members slash organizers. Mm-hmm. We're generally... We have some straight people. Okay. We have some. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have some are your members? Do you? I know our members are, are mostly white, uh, heteronormative presenting, but we actually have a lot of queer people. Okay. It's just if you're just looking at the one relationship that they happen to, you know, their partner happens to be at this event too. Okay, gotcha. We look. They look hetero. Like, gotcha. <laughs> How would you like to change that? What can, I'm a member of the Atlanta community, how can I help? How can the other members of the Atlanta community, how can we help change that? Honestly, we've had our issues. Okay. We have, we've had stints of having mostly white leadership before. And I understand when people of color don't feel like, I don't know if y'all are equipped to deal with microaggressions and shut down the white bullshit and colorism when it happens. Right. I and, and who wants to be on all the time, right? So that's a big thing. Being the only black person in the room isn't just about comfort, right? When you're when you're the only black person in the room, you are the representative. Okay. Every single shit. I legit, I legit go to. I go to events and I'm the only black person in the room. I go to events just so another new person doesn't have to be the only person of color. Right. And, and me 
personally, I don't like obligation as a side of my king. Like, I just don't. It doesn't make me happy to have to feel like you have to be there. Not that you're there because you're enjoying it, you're fellowshipping, but that feeling, that, that. And so for the non-black people in the room, when, we, when we're into a room and there's no one that looks like us, it's not just because it's not just we're uncomfortable. I've been, I'm not uncomfortable. My, my entire education from elementary school to college was at predominantly white institutions. I'm not uncomfortable. I just don't feel like it all the time. Like sometimes you just, like, sometimes you just wanna, you don't wanna be the only person that looks like you in the room. And that's an okay feeling to have. So what, what I am encouraging what I am trying to foster and, and what is good is happening here is the conversation needs to be here. We need to talk about it instead of just going off to our respective corners, right? If, now, if you're happy in your corner, by all means, stay in your corner. But if you desire, a like if you want to walk into a room and see lots of different colors and lots of different levels of ability and if you want a truly diverse group in a room, the question, like, what we want to know is how we can do that. What we can do. Let me give you, let me give you a personal example of my own. <clears throat> and um, maybe somebody else will feel like they can say it. So there's a group here that I, wa- let's say I watch the Facebook events, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's the best that, way to put it. Um, often, the type of events do not mesh with me culturally. Let me tell you why. I don't want to have a potluck with people I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you why that's cultural. Black people want to know, but who made the macaroni and cheese? <laughs> who made the potato salad? Do you have cats? Do you let them on your counters? I don't know you. <laughs> Listen, meet me. Y'all want to fellowship? Meet me at a restaurant. Okay. Can you just meet me at a restaurant? Now, that's also, now that, remember, that also works against the, we're trying to do free things, right? Because it's expensive. There are lots of things we have to take into consideration. But I can tell you for a fact, I'm not potlucking with some people I know, and I sure as hell am not potlucking with people I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to a cover party as my first introduction to, uh, to a, a community, right? There are certain, like again, there are types of events that, are more or less inclusive, right? So if you pick a very intimate thing, like going to someone's home or touching or eating someone's food, those things, by and large, are going to alienate the black community. What sorts of locations would be more inclusive? Bowling. You be, an activity, right? Basically, free range for everybody. It's really, it's really, it's going to be inclusive. So any any place outside of like a house, outside of like some like anything like that is going to be inclusive, an inclusive space to everybody. It is how you advertise it, how you promote it, what is it saying, what are we doing, what's going to be there. Like those those questions, if you can answer those questions and lay it out very firmly, like this is what's going to happen. You will have people that will come. Let me give you a successful uh, an example from our community. If I look a little hangover today, this is why. Um, every every third Thursday, Polly Black and Dating has a mixer. Um, for the past year or so, we've been at Wet Willies. Let me tell you why this works. Let me tell you why this works. <laughs> every third Thursday, we're there. So, um, what did you say? So, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, let me say. Yeah. So. You can come. There's no door. There's no. There's no charge for entry, right? 
Um, we have a somewhat like private space. We go upstairs. You don't have to spend any money. Just because you're at a restaurant doesn't mean you have to order something. I mean, if, we, if we're just keeping it funky, people do it People do it all the time, right? You can drink your ass off if you want to, and I always want to. Um, but you cannot, too. You can just come to fellowship. So find it. Like, that was a good question, right? Find a space. Go to a bar. Go to a restaurant and bar where people, like for me, having french fries when I'm nervous always helps, right? Like, have, let there be something else to do. So you're not just, like, awkwardly sitting on someone you don't know the couch. Yes. You know what I mean? Let's go to Friday. Like, <laughs> right. So, the, the, that, do y'all see like the contrast in, in the types of events? That people, people who are comfortable with each other do one type of event. But people who are looking to be inclusive and welcome new members do another type of event. And so for me, the type of events you plan tell me whether you want me there. I think that's why so much, especially like out in Cobb County, because mm-hmm. they're all at restaurants. Most of them, right. they, they post on the pet that's, if you don't order anything, that's fine. Order water, which is here to converse. So it's not an actual key event. So when someone sees you there, it's Right. Exactly. So to any onlooker, right, we're just a whole bunch of black people upstairs getting drunk, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> but like, nobody, nobody has to know or even does know that we're here gathered together because we're all polyamorous and we're fellowshipping. I was just going to say, um, for me, just looking like I fit in doesn't make me feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, so I grew up in Iowa around a whole bunch of white people, and that's I feel like I have very little in common with most of the people in my community, mm-hmm. you know, older, whatever. Um, but the other thing is I don't drink. So a lot right. of the groups I see, that's what it's centered around, mm-hmm. and I choose not to be around it. No, that and, makes and so sense that's too. another. That is another thing to consider. So somebody gave me. Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say that um, a lot of the groups I deal with, we try to make sure that we are publicly, we are um, public transit accessible. Okay. There's handicap parking. We have one event that we do not have a service elevator available. Of. It's just stairs. Bothers me, <laughs> but it's Marty accessible, so right. we, we try to deal with it. But Marty accessible parking, free parking to low paid parking. Mm-hmm. We have a price range that you could probably, if you really need it to nibble or drink something, everything including tip could be under ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's a range of different foods that we try to make sure like dietary needs are met. Right. The start of the conversation is right. Like they're not going to hit every mark every time with every event. Yeah. Right. Right. But did you think about it? You can tell when an event is created if the creator of that event thought about or tried to be inclusive, right? So the first step for us as a communities um, and as our intersection of communities is show some, show us you thought about it, right? And those things that you thought about, let's make that clear in the invitation. Let's say, you know, we're doing this. It's smart accessible. You know, you don't have to spend a lot of money, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think, for me, I'm from Louisiana, and um, in our community, we do have a lot of munches, but a lot of those munches are um, around the university that's predominantly white, or it's somewhere where you need to have transportation to get to, and so on and so forth, and so I realized, like, 
um, the people organizing it have like no thought that they're being biased. Um, but at the same time, the people who are able to come to your munches are like not going to go out to um, this city that's 25 minutes away, which is again now known for its racism and so on and so forth. So it's like, okay, who are even going to be the people who show up at this munch? All right. And I think thinking about your location, changing it to um, areas where de de different that's demographics cool. are, are important. Okay, I'm going to get this hand and then Olympia. Mm -hmm. It's not... I. I and with some people who organize munches and trying to find a restaurant that is willing to accommodate more than 10 people possibly mm -hmm. in that meeting. And if they haven't even find out what you might be talking about, it could be a problem. <coughs> or, you know, a lot of times we try to get um, restaurants that have maybe a private room off to the side. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they want they want to charge and if you want to have a munch where people only pay for what they, they buy when they get there, or mm -hmm. you don't have to pay at all, it's hard to find. Right, like where's that budget coming from, right? Yeah. Like somebody, somebody has to pay for it. Generally, in my experience of planning events like this, right? you have to guarantee a certain amount to get the private room, right? So in your head, you're like, okay, I mean, I hope people come, and I hope they spend money, and I hope I don't end up paying for it. But that's a lot of hopes. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a lot of hoping. Mm -hmm. And, and so that brings up an important point as far as cost sharing, right? Um, when you have a wide swath of socioeconomic status in the community that you're trying to engage, what about a pay-what-you-can event, right? Where we ask for a donation of $1 to however much you want to pay, right? That way, the people who have it and are willing to can make up for the people who are willing to come but may not have it, right? Uh, a pay what you can. In my experience, I've done a couple pay what you can events. It's never been. A, it's never turned out bad financially, because the people who the people who can do. It's just that simple, right? Maybe we look at the pricing of the red sheet. <coughs> Maybe we see. Okay, are we pricing? Are, are we pricing ourselves out of an inclusive environment? Are we positioning ourselves out of an inclusive environment? Let's take this conversation back to our communities, right? If you have pe people of color in your communities. Ask them to sit down and have a conversation and say, hey, I want to create an inclusive environment. Is there something else I can do to create that environment? Because only by having those uncomfortable conversations do we get to a more comfortable place. Mm -hmm. But how can you ask the people who aren't there why they're not there? Most people have, have a chocolate chip in the whipped cream. There's a If all you have if all you have is one ask them. If you have none, come talk to me. We can talk about it. I can try and get you a chocolate chip. Like <laughs> Oh, I, I just want to say one thing that, that may help with that is you can easily set up with uh, Google Docs. You can set up a form and somebody can actually anonymously you can, you can get feedback. So it's very easy to do, it's very easy to collect, and, and then you can see what, peop what people are feeling, why they didn't come to this event, without them feeling uncomfortable having to explain this for myself. But also paying people for their time, because that one topic is getting a lot of questions from all Listen. the stream. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so there's, there's, a, there's, again, we have a balance here, right? Because I'm here having this conversation with y'all for free, right? But hopefully in a year I won't be. Do we see, you have to start the conversation, right? You start the conversation, you show that it's a worthwhile conversation. So what I, what I can say for a fact is, of all of the people here in Atlanta 
the black people that I know here in Atlanta and all the and all the poly events that happen here in Atlanta in predominantly white communities, I've never been asked to come specifically. I've never they've never said, Hey, we want you at this event. Let me go ahead and comp your registration. Do this have host this conversation for us and let's build a more inclusive environment. As for me and my people, that's not happening with us. Right? So make it happen. I pay to be here just like all of you, but I think that this is a valuable conversation. And so I'm having it. But I want my intention is for this conversation to ripple back out so that throughout the United States this conversation is happening and we're fixing it. Mm-hmm. But one of you, the two of you that can both can speak, just pick which one goes first. I was gonna say also for talking to like people trying to figure out like how to be inclusive. Most POC munches or events are still open to the public. Why it might be centered and a space mm-hmm. for people of color, we don't exclude anyone. Like, feel free to come right. and talk to us there. There are a lot in North Carolina who do. I do want to talk about, I do want to, she put up an important point, so we're going to come back to it, but think about this while everyone else, there's a difference between exclusion and centering. So let's talk about exclusion and centering, right? Go ahead. We'll, we'll talk about that, with that in a second. Mm-hmm. Is it me? Okay, sorry. So we had <laughs> talked about a whole bunch of stuff, so I'm going to try to say this really fast. One thing that I do appreciate about the community that I'm a part of and the club that I'm a part of in Nashville is that we just started a volunteer training for anybody who wants to volunteer at our um, club. Nice. Everybody. Yeah, that's cool. um, one of the things that they do teach while they're there is a cultural competency um, training for anybody who wants to be at the club, wants to be a front-facing center of the club. You have to go through all three trainings in order for you to speak to anybody, to be up close to anybody, or say anything. <laughs> one, one thing that I appreciate that we had during that is that they talked about microaggressions, that they talked about what people of color um, go through. All of those things were talked about in that class, and the one that I trained, that I went to, I was the only face who was of color that was in that class. So not that I felt tapped, I just felt that my experience could speak more to them so they would know like, oh, when I see somebody else that is of color that comes into the club, they may be facing the same thing she went through. Right, and how can I be sensitive to that? Right, and so I think think that that may be something, as as you're saying, like have this conversation ripple out, y'all can reach out to our club, we have the information ready for you. We talked a lot about how black people go to white events and feel uncomfortable, right? What about the, uh, why isn't the other way happening? If you want to be inclusive, if you want to find people, go where they are, right? I go where they are. There are lots of their Facebook groups, their FET groups. You can't approach the organizer of the group and say, hey, I'm not trying to be weird, but I'm trying to be inclusive. Can you help me? Literally, say that. I'm not trying to be weird, but I'm trying to be inclusive. Can you help me? You're welcome. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I love the idea of, of having uh, inclusivity training. Mm-hmm. Are there any groups or, or like, you know, so, some easy way to contact people? Because I don't want to, I, I don't want to like go to the, to the people that are, uh, of color in our group and say, hey, it, we really could use some, some, okay. some representation. Let me stop. I don't want to do Let's, that. Do like, y'all I see this? To that's volunteering to do that's that. discomfort. Yes. You see that? You see what he's trying to avoid? He's trying to avoid the discomfort. Hold on, let's pause for a second. No. Have, like, how good of a relationship do you have with those people that you're thinking of? Well, part of the problem is right now, personally, 
I've been less involved with the group for a number of years. Uh, when I was when I was leading the group, I was making a point to to learn everybody's names and to you know try to befriend everybody. I'm not at that point anymore. Um, so, but I think these these are this is a very important topic, and I really would like to see my community expand out. And I don't want to like volunteer anyone. Right. I, I want to make sure that it's it's, it's it's people that are volunteering, or even better, getting paid for it. Right. Well, you can pay me. <laughs> I mean, there are people who are speaking out about it, right? There are people who, who take polyamory and kink and put it on their back and try to normalize it every day. So the people that you see in your community hosting the conversations and organizing the events, and what you want is experience, right? So find the experience and pay them. That's the answer. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we do when we want to learn anything else. Anything else you want to learn, you find people who are good at it, and you pay them to teach you how to do it. That's the answer. This is no different. Yeah. So just in hearing that and then like reviewing the game tape of some of the stuff that I said earlier, I also don't want to make this about me. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like that's, that's something that, you know, because I have the privilege that I have, um, and, you know, because I'm so, you know, hey, let's do this thing, I tend to make it about me. And, right. Um, just as a, as, a, as a point for... And sometimes, you know what, sometimes all you have to do is say that, right? Yeah. Open, honest, direct communication. Yeah. Transparency. You say, hey, I know I'm a white woman and I have all the privilege in the world. I want people who have less privilege than me and who don't look like me to feel comfortable in my space. And I know that's a weird conversation to have, but I'm here to have it. Acknowledge the elephant in the room, walk around the elephant, pet the motherfucker, and... <laughs> value in that. Think of just that, those two sentences that you just said. I'm happy you're here. I want you here. And I want people who look like you here. How many black people in the room have ever had a white person come to them and say that? In a polyamorous or kink space, right? When you want to have a mentor professionally, what do you do? You find someone who's in a place you want to be. You find somebody with the experience that you want to have. You find someone you look up to or who has something that you want. If you've ever asked for a mentor, that shit can get awkward, right? But, it's, but for me, I've always had the best experience when I say, I see you've done these things. I really like that you've done these things, and I'd like to do things like that. Can you help me? Right, so that requires a significant amount of humility. You have to be humble and you have to be willing to hear no, right? Because you might, they might, there's no guarantee. But if you're out there making the effort, I guarantee that they won't all be no's. 
right? Back here? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to stand up somewhere in the back. <laughs> um, just to add on to this, I feel that it's, it's always a discomfort around talking about race. Um, how many people in here are polyamorous and been doing the polyamorous thing for a minute? What do we always say? Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's one of my friends, guys. Just embrace I said that before you got in. <laughs> I didn't know I got in late, but I'm like, just embrace the discomfort. Yeah. Like, every race conversation I've ever had at work, at my son's school, on task force and stuff like that, I just say, look, everybody in here, I see y'all. Y'all sweating. Everybody look like they're going <laughs> But we can't get over this comfort unless you just go ahead and embrace the discomfort and get over it. Because you can't move unless you, unless you embrace it. We have an issue. With race. So we don't have a choice but to embrace it. Right. So there are two topics I really want to hit before. Um, we have 15 more minutes, so let me just present these two things. First, I talked about the difference between exclusion and centering, right? So everybody is like, I'm, I'm a perfect example of the difference between exclusion and centering. Black History Month. Oh. Why is there no White History Month? Wait, can any white person in the room tell me why there's no white? Yes, no. Yes. It's all the time. White History Month is all the time, right? February is the one month where we're like, hey, black people have done things. They've done some things. They've done some pretty cool things. Right? Like, uh, there, you know, there's a cotton. There's all these kind of things that black people have done. So with that, organizations like Black and Poly, groups like Poly, Black, and Dating, they're not exclusionary. They're black-centered. And what that means is all those other spaces are mostly white. We want you to have a space where there are, this is where, this is where we collect people who look like you. This is where we collect them for friendship, for mentoring, for networking, for friendships, for dating, for kink. This is a place, out of all those other places in the world that look like you, that's centering. Right? And only, only by centering black people do we start to even create an inclusive space, right? If there's no gathering of black people, then there's nowhere for you to go to say, hey, y'all, come on. So don't feel, and this is for, for white people, you're not excluded, but you need to be comfortable in a room. You need to be comfortable being the only white person in the room. Right. How often have you found yourself in that situation? All the time. See? What if the groups are exclusionary? <laughs> have you talked to them? Why are they excluding you? Because I'm white. But have you asked? <laughs> <laughs> it's just what it says. It's This is all the way for people of color. Period. No, there are. They have, but guess what? Guess what? And this is a very, this is a very simple thing. Guess what? They're not your people. Right. No. There, there are spaces who want you. Let's go find those. Right. Then if you have, you have to say it. I mean, just to say, I mean, some are just people of color. This is a group for people of color. This is a event for people of color. You know. And in that note, they can say the same thing. This is a group. Just, they're not gonna say it right. like that. But then. It, Right, you could turn around and say, well, this is just a group just for us, right. black people. So my, I, don't I believe in black centering, right, in these communities. I don't believe in exclusion. Some people do. Those people who do, they're not your people. They're not here. They don't want to have this conversation. But So let's focus on the people who want to have the conversation, people who want to create inclusive spaces. 
And leave the people who, if they want to create an exclusionary space, that's their right. And, and just, to, just to add on to everything we've been saying, especially if you're someone who has said, okay, I want my organization to be more inclusionary, on top of being, of being willing to get yourself in a place of discomfort and reaching out to people, you also have to be willing to put people out who are not aligning with that thing. Yeah. Because I've had several times where I've wanted to go someplace and I've had people in my inbox go, as soon as I say, yes, I'm going, it's automatically a white guy in my fat life inbox saying, fetishizing me or talking to me like I'm supposed to be his dom and I identify no way with dom at all. And so you have to, as a leader of a group, you have to be willing to put yourself in a place of discomfort with the people you don't know and be willing to make the people who you do know uncomfortable enough to where they go ahead and excuse themselves on something. Okay, here, right here. Yeah, I, I'm going to put it out there. First off, I live on the best side of Atlanta. Right. So, the west side. Right. And take that home. <laughs> hey, hey, that, she just came and flashed the really pretty 10-minute warning sign at me, guys. Okay. So I, 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 have, I have a point to bringing that up and a question. Because I live on the west side, which is a predominantly black part of town. Y'all come down to 640 Community Cafe for the best breakfast you've had in your life, by the way, vegetarian. Wait, where is that, though? I live in Douglasville, so where is Abernathy. that? Abernathy. Okay. You know where the, the Krispy Kreme is? Uh, where is that? And are you willing? Or can we can we have an inclusive event there? Are you? Oh heck yeah! Okay, yeah. so oh, y'all hear that? Y'all hear that? Atlanta? Based in the summer, there's a, a food truck court right next door with some of the best graffiti artists in town. Who've got to the oh, Look at it! So it's an important note. Only by having these kinds of conversations do we make that kind of connection, mm -hmm. right? You're not going to make connections if you're not having a conversation, you right? Gotta go, you got to go out to places. But, so I was prefacing it with that because I have a question. When I pull events together, people know me or they know the people I hang with or chill that it's going to be very inclusive. But I like to put in positive signals for people who aren't aware of it so that they can see up. So if it's a kink community event... We put in explicit messages like no race play, right? Woo, you're leading me right into the last thing we're going to talk about, right? So, well, that was the question. I've been listening to this because I came here to listen mostly. Thank you. And that's the question I brought with me to ask was, you know, what are other ways when you are making an effort, being ever so imperfect, that you can make it clear that you are making that effort? Right. So, fetishization came up. Like, as I'm reading these and, and leading the conversation, that came up almost 10 times, right? I have 10 people who say, as a black person, I don't go into mostly white communities because I am afraid of being fetishized. Because it happens. And it's, it's not something that happens infrequently. It is par for the course when, for white people that are wanting to build inclusive communities, you gotta say that shit. You gotta, like, not allow that shit. That's the only way. And yes, is that yucking somebody's yum? Absolutely. It is. However, you have to ask yourself as a community organizer, as a leader of an, of an organization, what's more important to you? Excluding this relatively small segment of the population who engage in race play or making people who don't want to be fetishized comfortable? Right? Um, and to something you're saying earlier as well, like you have to, it's part of the accessibility notes of like what you're centering, like what you want, what you want there. Mm -hmm. But anything that doesn't say, if you're like, oh, maybe it just won't happen, like anything that doesn't say what it's 
inclusive of is white centered. Like that's right. like baseline. Like, no, that's never, the world. No one ever has to say like, oh, white's only because if you don't say that it's not, it's white. It, yeah, it's for white people. Like it's always, it's always the baseline. So when you start putting in the access accessibility, you know, there's one stair to get in. There's a ramp. There's elevators. Right. No race play. Like right. having like someone like of color like on your event page, having them in the leadership, going and befriending them. Like then right. you are. Then you we do a black chat, guys. Let me tell you, we do a black chat. Yeah. You invite me to an event. I go look at the members. If your event is all white, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, let me let's um, let's bring it down and let me leave you with some final thoughts, right? Final thoughts. This conversation is an important one. We started it here, but it's my hope that we don't finish it here. The second thing is this: I'm going to plug a friend. There's a book that just came out. It is called Love Is Not Colorblind. It is by Kevin Patterson. You should read it. It's downloadable on Kindle. Um, you can get a paper copy. It, it is talks about this. It's about, it's specifically he's a black polyamorous, so it's about how race is a part of ethical non-monogamy and polyamory in the United States. And it specifically provides suggestions for, for non-people of color who want to create inclusive environments. So that's... Okay, so Love Is Not Colorblind by Kevin Patterson. Mm-hmm. Is he speaking next two weekends from now at Atlanta Poly? He is! Right. Plug, plug, plug! So, Kevin Patterson will be here at Atlanta Poly weekend, June 1st through the 3rd. Also, Crystal Farmer will be here, who is a member of Black and Poly. See? Nice little plug. The conversation is important, guys. Let's take it back. Let's think, hey, what am I doing? How can I change it? If you're in a place where you don't know what your next steps are and you need some help, I've got a phone. You can you can reach out to me. I can provide whatever suggestions I can. I really appreciate you all coming. I really didn't think anybody was coming, so. <laughs> so I'm glad you came. I'm glad you talked. Uh, we have five more minutes. If somebody else has like something they want to say to close out. Mm-hmm. I like to see diversity in any space that I'm in. And so when I do see uh, a person of color, I have literally thought in my mind, like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're here. But I didn't say that out loud because I felt like it would make them feel othered. And, like, I, it just felt like like it would make them feel weird, like that, that I was, like, calling them out. I don't think <laughs> approaching someone and saying, I'm happy you're here, yeah. is not going to feel any weirder than being the only one there. Also, I think it's very important as people that do come out in the community that are in the community that we encourage each other. Like, it shouldn't just be them having to make us feel We can make each other feel like this. Yeah. Right. Like, I joined, I ended up in the community at its best and on a leadership board because I went to a group and there was one other white person. And I went and I sat by her and I talked to her. And I got, got more people to come. So take a friend. Yeah, this is a takeaway. Encourage each other. If you want to see more, the only way you're going to see more is make your friends come. Build those friends. Interested, come. And let them, you know, let them engage themselves and promote ourselves within these spaces and we can continue to grow in these spaces as well. Call in some favors. <laughs> right. Be like, no, no, no. You Listen. You know how many times I've gotten a, I'm going to a white event and I need, I need to not be the only black person in the room. You take your friend. Like, that's just what you have to do sometimes, right? But when we come, when me and my friend walk in, the rest is up to you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for having this conversation. You're welcome. have been listening to episode 229 of the kinky cast for more information about this show go to kinkycast.com the kinky cast is a production of rooster in the round 
On behalf of all our kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we present the Frolicon 2018 wrap-up show.